Thank you to the Canadian people. Thank you to the Canadian truckers. We have achieved a turn in public opinion. This is going to be a big episode. Come on, let's go take a look. The following is the audio version of a video released at peakprosperity.com. Visit peakprosperity.com to watch the video and to find other insightful content such as articles, discussion forums, and exclusive subscriber-only content. Hello everyone, Dr. Chris Martinson here back with you and I'm really pleased to be reporting to you today with uh, what I'm going to call International Freedom Day after this weekend in Canada. By the way, if you were watching U.S. News, you probably missed the whole thing because it really wasn't reported. Probably the biggest underreported thing uh, of the decade so far. It's just been amazing. At any rate, let's go take a look now and we are going to go in and take a peek here at, well what I'm calling the freedom episode. Episode 45, truckers for freedom. Let's check this out. Well, let's start here. Um, first up, the setup is some truckers got together and decided that they wanted to agitate for freedom. And well, they're tired of the mandates. They're tired of the lockdowns. They're tired of all of the increasing totalitarian controls in Canada. I really thought was lost for a while. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Canada became the flashpoint for really turning world opinion. Man, I'm so proud of what's going on up there. Really well done. And this was really broad-based people talking about everything from not wanting mandates, not wanting vaccines in children, wanting to be free. That's the subtext of this whole thing. It was all about being free. And I really agree with that. And by the way, uh, this was huge. Million, million and a half people showed up in Ottawa. It's still ongoing. Ottawa, the capital city, is still locked down. Truckers all over the place is recently... As the 29th of January, I still saw people on Twitter trying to claim that there were only 114 trucks involved. Uh, this was a 50-kilometer-long uh, convoy, and just everybody came in, and the, it's just huge, huge numbers of people. So, what do you do when you see something that big, that large? Um, well, let's take a look here. This is uh, at the Alberta crossing, so this is the crossing into the United States, and uh, I'll just play this here. Just absolutely a horizon to horizon trucks everywhere just absolutely smashed in everybody's got their uh, flags out they're flying them proudly and the whole border crossing is now just completely shut down for the moment reminding us all that of course we all depend on truckers more than we would ever like to know maybe on a daily basis because they bring everything to us and so this is really an astonishing sight that we're seeing all across canada and it is now flashpointed and we're seeing other trucker convoys being talked about in the United States. They've already started in Italy. We've seen them in, in Europe and other places. It's catching on. <clears throat> it's very, very visual, very important. And so let's listen in to Justin Trudeau reporting from his magic bunker here where he disappeared immediately after finding out the truckers were coming. Uh, he's self-isolated. And let's listen in. In the past, uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues, Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. He just said he supports protests when he agrees with what they're protesting about and the methods by which they protest. So Black Lives Matter, he held out as an example. Let's just remind ourselves what Black Lives Matter uh, protests really looked like. Um, this is kind of what they looked like. Um, mostly peaceful. My son. Little fiery. Uh, lots of businesses family. got burned down. Cars all ruined. The Black Lives Matter protests were anything but peaceful. 
And here you have Justin Trudeau saying, well, he agrees with the Black Lives Matter protests because he agreed with the way they went about Lives doing Matter it. Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with. Please, in the past... Uh wow! Wow. So this is Justin Trudeau saying that he's, he, he admires Black Lives Matter. So, so, so the way those protests went down, he was totally fine with those. As a reminder, people died. People fought police. People lost eyes to rubber bullets. There was a lot of friction between the police and the protesters. There was a lot of property damage. Statues got toppled. All kinds of horrible things happened during those riots. And so he's saying that's an example of how we would want it to go. But the Canadian truckers, that not so much. Not so much what he's looking for on that. So let's take a peek here <clears throat> at uh, what really this means. Oh, by the way, uh, Trudeau, a little trouble with your uh, truth here because the Ottawa police chief, Peter uh, Slotty, said that um, the Freedom Convoy saw no injuries, no deaths, or riots, despite thousands of people demonstrating for 24 hours a day for four days. So it's kind of from the police chief of Ottawa there saying this whole thing, uh, slowly said it was all completely peaceful. So if you didn't like it peaceful, what was the main complaint then? Well, there was, apparently there was these desecrations of the Toronto Star, which is the enemy of the truth in this story, by the way. I've really come to despise the Toronto Star. Anybody who works there for that organization Y'all work for a defective organization. By extension, it's a little commentary on YouTube. Look at this article here by one Nicole Thompson, who should be embarrassed. Officials decry desecration of monuments during Ottawa protest. Oh, no, that does sound terrible. Bad headline. What are they talking about? <clears throat> Let me get my drawing tool out here because we're going to have to talk about this real quick. So it says here, some protesters jumped on the tomb of the unknown soldiers and others fastened an inverted Canadian flag to the statue of Terry Fox. Oh, no, they put a flag on it uh, as they decried vaccine mandates. Second use of the word decry uh, headline in first paragraph. Bad, bad, bad editing there. Uh, Their actions prompted a chorus of condemnations from public officials and online observers. Oh, man, y'all are getting shamed and slummed because because look at all the people against you. Why? How do you know it's true? Because Nicole is telling you it's true. Uh, They denounced the desecration of monuments to Canadian heroes by some of the thousands who descended on Ottawa. Oh, my God. I am sickened to see protesters dance on the tomb of the unknown soldier and desecrate the National War Memorial. Generations of Canadians have fought and died for our rights, including free speech, but not this. Those involved should hang their heads in shame, said General Wayne Iyer here, Chief of the Defense Staff. I think, uh, General Wayne, you're going to eat some words here on this. Uh, really unfortunate. So let's take a look at the quick reality here. This is actually a shot of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier here. Very disrespectful. Look at the way they laid all these gorgeous flowers and wreaths there, and they're standing respectfully by 
um, with signs asking people to honor this. Obviously, clearly a, a great tragedy is unf- befalling that tomb right there. And then this is this is really shocking. Look at these Canadians defacing that statue of Terry Fox. Look at that. Cleaning the ice and snow off of it there, making sure it all looks good. Tell you, I'm just noticing a slight difference between that and what I saw during the Black Lives Matter thing where they toppled the statues and threw them into the uh, ocean and uh, did horrible things to the heads that rolled off. I mean, it's just, at any rate, this attempt to try and cast and demonize all of the protests based on the literally the hearsay of a couple of people in this article. This is shameful. This is actually shameful. If you want to talk about where you hang your head in shame, Nicole Thompson of the Toronto Star and General Wayne here, y'all should be hanging your heads in shame. This is a really grotesque attempt and perversion of trying to rewrite what is probably the largest and most peaceful and well-organized protest in all of Canadian history. And meanwhile, this is just how I see it. This is how the uh, Canadian press, if they can find one or two people who are seeming to profess something that's hateful, they're going to ignore all the love and hope on the other side of this. And by the way, we're all smart enough to know that if you are one of these really interested media companies that really wants to tell a tale, you just give 50 bucks to a homeless guy to carry a Nazi flag through. You film it real quick and then you scurry off, right? And you say that's what the whole thing was about. We all know how this game is played. Come on. So um, obviously this was a, a really well-organized, beautiful protest. And by the way, just a reminder on how awful the Toronto Star truly is. How about this headline here uh, by Heather Malik of the Star column this year. The unvaccinated cherish their freedom to harm others. How can we ever forgive them? Uh, This is called the othering. There's been a huge push by Canada to other anybody who's not down with the national narrative. And the national narrative is you must get a vaccine and then you must get another vaccine. Then you have to get a booster and maybe some more boosters. And that's the whole program. That's it. That's the whole program. Despite the fact that things aren't really working out all that well. So let's listen in again. Here's Justin Trudeau earlier, just before he went into his bunker hiding. Here's what he said. This is pretty famous or even infamous at this point. small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing. A small fringe minority who are holding unacceptable views. I would like to express this fringe majority now because it turns out the majority of Canadians now say it's time to end the COVID restrictions and leave responsibility for isolation to those at risk. Um, So this is the fringe majority now, Justin. It's astonishing that Justin Trudeau can be this out of touch. He feels like a scared little boy. He's clinging to a really outdated view of things. He really just only wants this one thing to come through, which is it has to be all about doing what the government says when they tell you to do it, regardless of the facts or whether it makes sense for you or whether you've already had natural immunity or whether you have a predisposed medical condition whereby you shouldn't be getting this vaccine or regardless of whether you were under a certain age where the chance of you getting COVID from in any meaningfully bad way is almost zero. They don't care. He doesn't care. He wants you to do this one thing and one thing only. And of course, what are they not doing in Canada? Same as in the United States. No focus on early treatments, no focus on generalized health, no focus on giving people vitamin D or other supplements that could really change the course of this disease for people who are at risk. Now, 
that's the whole story that's shredding. And you can see now it's clearly a majority of Canadians are in that. So if you're Twitter, though, what do you do if you're Twitter? Because if you're Twitter, you're clearly on the side of government. You're clearly on the side of big government. So you're clearly on the side of Justin Trudeau. This is what you do. Number six trending on Twitter this morning was I stand with Trudeau with 4,780 tweets. And coming in just under that, sneaking right under that, though, is Truckers for Freedom 2022 with 158,000 tweets. See see the trending order there? That's just, that's how Twitter rolls. They they made it look smaller, though, because it's 158K might fool some people. 4,780 looks bigger, you know, but uh, there's, there's no comparison here. So obviously that's what you do if you're Twitter. You just play around with the algorithms and you bury stuff and you hide stuff. And we're all used to that by now. Because I think we realize we're up against a systemic big media big government, big narrative approach that has a point of view. And that point of view doesn't include the little people, uh, obviously. So, oh, CBC, oh, Canada. Uh, CBC even went so far in this horrid example here to suggest that Russia was behind fueling the whole Canadian thing. So, oh, Russia? Uh, (laughs) There's lame and then there's that. That's just ridiculously lame. So anytime I hear somebody trot out the but Russia story, I just know that they're like stuck many, many years ago in an old narrative that's so played out that it's it's just that horse is dead. And yet they beat it. Uh, so good job on that, CBC. What a horrid outfit. At any rate, guess what? There's no mandate support in the UK either. This comes from a recent... Uh, survey they conducted over here in the UK, over there in the UK, and they asked the question, hey, uh, do you support mandatory vaccines? Broken down by ethnicity, so you got your whites, blacks, Africans, Caribbean, black, British, Asian, mixed, multiple, multiple ethnic groups, or other, and supportive coming in on this line, but clearly winning out, not supportive, is the majority in every single case, every single um ethnicity here. So it's pretty clear that there is no mandate support for vaccines if this has to be just about vaccines. But again, this isn't about vaccines. It's about freedom. It's about not wanting somebody else to come in and tell you what you have to do, particularly when their narrative doesn't make sense anymore. And that's really where we are in the story. Carrying on further, Denmark just lifted all restrictions, lifted all restrictions while cases are still soaring. Now, this is cases of Omicron. That's important. We'll get to that in just a second. The international reaction, disbelief. Uh, This person here, Michael Peterson, is uh, leading the largest Danish project on pandemic behavior, and he's advising the government. Here's why Danes are still supportive and what may be learned from this. Um, First, uh, answering the question, I feel it is safe to remove the restrictions against Corona this Tuesday vast majority agree with this um and a much much smaller number of people disagree and a few people are unsure so what's that about 63 4 percent there are saying yep totally in support so that's a clear majority now why is that that's because we're all starting to have this same common experience you know somebody who's had omicron i've had omicron we have all like it's just everywhere now and so the experience is Here are the first waves we went through where you see hospitalizations, deaths, ICUs, everything going in lockstep. Now we have cases exploding, actually way off the chart. The number of people who are in the hospital is still climbing, but this is a remnant left over from mostly from Delta. And as Omicron comes in, we're starting to watch those in the ICU, though, start to plummet. 
So the seriousness of the cases is clearly not quite as serious. So this is the experience that people are having, and they're going, oh, now that the Omicron wave is here, the Delta wave is on the way out, Omicron is just not quite as serious. So pretty cool. Um, This is a cool chart that they also put out in the Financial Times saying that if you had Delta and you were unvaccinated, this was your total risk. Uh, This is for people who are 70 years old or up. Um, if what's your total risk of going to the hospital and getting into the ICU? And it was pretty hefty, cranking in at about 7% here. If Omicron and you're unvaccinated, it drops by a full 3.5 times. And if you had two doses, it drops another 2.2x. And then if you had, if you're boosted, it drops a further bit. So it's really strong argument for vaccinations. The one thing that's missing from this chart, of course, is can we compare any of this to what it means to be availed of early treatments? The answer is no. We can't get that question in Europe. We can't get that question in Canada. We can't get that question answered in the United States. So if you just want to squint through the vaccination lens only, you get a chart like this, but it clearly shows that Omicron is a lot less deadly. By the way, this is the overall risk down here for a 40-year-old with Delta. And then, of course, it would just be way under that uh, for Omicron similarly. Meanwhile, the narrative breaking Scotland edition, if we just come in here and take a quick peek and look at the the Scotland numbers here, what do we see? Well, here we're looking at deaths versus vaccination status. And what's kind of cool to see here um, for an unvaccinated person, this these are all in cases or in this case, deaths per 100,000. So it's all normalized. Don't worry about how many people are vaccinated versus unvaccinated because the rate per 100,000. Well, adjust that for you. So all we have to do is compare how many people goes down from this week in December, the next week in December, the next week in December, and finally into this first week in January here. And we can see that the rates go from 7.2 per 100,000 to 1.7, big drop off for some reason, 4.93, finally topping back out at 7.2, 7.62 per 100,000. Now, what if you'd had one dose? Well, you were a little bit lower in this week. You were a lot higher in this week. You were a lot lower in this week, and you were about the same in this week. So numbers are bouncing around a bit. What if you had two doses, though, uh, over that same time period? Well, you started about, about the same as the unvaccinated. Here you were a lot higher than the unvaccinated. Here you were a lot higher than the unvaccinated. And here you were higher than the unvaccinated. So two doses clearly was not only not conferring a benefit for deaths, but was actually conferring a disadvantage. Clearly showing in, though, as having an advantage was boosted or three doses. You can see these numbers are all a lot lower. Now, the only problem with this, again, we can't compare this to people who are getting early treatment because they don't do that here in Scotland. Second thing we can't do is we can't understand the time value of this. How long will that third booster look like that before the third booster slides into making things worse again? Or does it? We don't know the answer to that. Same thing when we look at the cases going into hospitalizations here per 100,000 again. We can see the numbers go here from about 34 to 54 to 43 to 32. That's the trend, if you can call that a trend. Bouncing around, one dose goes from 10 to 40 to 46 to 26. So roughly comparable to being unvaccinated. Here the numbers are 25 to 41 to 61 to 45. So those last two weeks, not doing as well as the unvaccinated. Again, in the two-dose category, 
And here going from five to nine to 11 to 11, uh, three doses coming in with the best um, uh, cases there. So again, hard to tell from this though, because we have to take into account ages. We would have to take into account the time factors. We don't really know, but just squinting at this, you'd be forgiven for saying, I'm not seeing the huge benefits for being double jabbed in this story. And of course, there aren't really any, and people are starting to know that. The other thing that people are starting to notice is, for example, comparing Hungary to Austria. Austria had eight weeks of lockdown, some of the most restrictive policies in all of Europe. Austria really went for it. Austria had FFP2 masks, made them mandatory for access to restaurants, to public transport, cultural venues, everything only for the vaccinated, unvaccinated locked out. Uh, Hungary, meanwhile, no lockdowns for the unvaccinated, no FFP2 mask requirements at all, full stadiums, all COVID restrictions are suspended. And then you're looking here at the seven day rolling average of new cases per 100,000. Austria is really in much different shape than Hungary. So the best you can say is there's really no evidence of these restrictions being effective. Uh, So that's the best we can say on that. Meanwhile, honestly, we shouldn't be focused all the way down in again. Just, you know what, this can't just be about, remember the mass psychosis, we talked to the mass formation, mass psychosis, which is all about that hypnotic effect of focusing people's attention down onto that one tiny thing. So it's always about vaccinations. You can always see Trudeau always wants it to come back to, are you a good Canadian or a bad Canadian based on vaccination status? That's it. Everything's always about the vaccination status. That's true in New Zealand. It's true in Austria, Australia, all of Europe. They, everybody just wants us focused on that one metric. And we want to compare deaths to the vaccinated to the unvaccinated. But stop. No. You know what matters? What matters is at the public health level, what's happening to all-cause mortality? How many people are dying? Are fewer people dying this year or more people dying this year? That's the only measure that matters because it's the totality of our public health measures that really matter. Because if we do things that are super restrictive, that cause people to get bummed out and they get depressed and or causes them to slip into other behaviors or they're getting sick for other reasons or maybe because we're so over-focused on COVID, we shut our hospitals down, we lost healthcare workers so people aren't showing up who actually have legit chest pains and or cancers or things that need attention. Then if we're doing things that are overly restrictive that are causing those people to suffer harms or die, then we failed. On this basis, it's very clearly easy to say that the United States has failed. Our public health authorities have failed us. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC has failed the United States population. Anthony Fauci has failed the United States population. The NIH has failed the United States population. How can I say that? Because we look here at all-cause, all-cause excess mortality, not COVID-cause, all-cause So this is any reason people are dying, and we're comparing, looking here at excess deaths by year. So in the year 2020, there were 411,589 deaths above what would have been expected. That's a bad year. 2020 was the first year of COVID. 2020 was the year we didn't know what was happening in March and April and May before we learned about corticosteroids and we learned about other early treatments. We learned about not putting people on ventilators or remdesivir, although that still hasn't totally been learned in some quarters yet. But by 2021, we'd had vaccines and we should have had all of the treatments locked down. In fact, did we? How did we do? And the answer is, 494,846 deaths 
above what was expected in 2021. That is a complete fail. This blue line is above this green line. This blue line is 2021. This is 2020. And here we can see 2022 in this little red smidge down here starting to fire up <clears throat> also above zero. Zero is your baseline that you should be sort of measured against. This chart right here is an absolute utter failure on the part of public health authorities. Now people are starting to notice this because this is the only appropriate measure we should be talking about. If Justin Trudeau wants to get up and beat the drum about why only vaccinated people are the responsible people, they need to talk about why excess deaths are higher, not lower in the face of a large campaign of vaccinations. Is it because the vaccines are causing those deaths? Are, is, it, is it something even worse that's causing more deaths and the vaccines are helping? We don't know. Wouldn't it be great if we did know? The only way we would know is if we kept accurate, useful statistics, which still is another utter failure, national tragedy, firings for everybody involved in our statistics programs at the CDC, NIH, and other places like that, especially the FDA. Really, really bad uh, what's happened here. And so that's the conversation that they're desperate not to have. And that's why in the United States press, you didn't see any talks about the, the trucker protest unless they were an attempt to smear, demean, defame or otherwise libel that movement as best they could to call them racist, uh, misogynists, uh, you know, whatever the stories were, there was some really bad ones going on. And meanwhile, we have these other awkward stories out there, like <clears throat> something is kind of going terribly wrong in one of the most vaccinated countries on earth, Israel. Look at their COVID deaths here per day. This is the highest level recorded. And this is a country that I need, I remind everybody, is actually one of the most heavily triple jabbed countries in the world. So the light green is one jab, dark, darker green in the middle color is fully vaccinated, two doses, and then booster is the third jab. Look at that um, absolute, uh, you know, huge amount of, of triple jab going on. And despite that, this is what we're seeing going on in Israel. So this is raising uncomfortable questions like, hey, I thought these things were supposed to stop that from happening. That's a question you might have. So we add all this up. Omicron has just completely shredded the narrative. And instead of standing up like a man and going forward and talking with the truckers about what they concerned about, Justin Trudeau scurried off, went into his bunker and came out and just condemned them for not being more like BLM. It's just the most unbelievable turn of events that I can imagine in this particular uh, narrative. So what, what can we see? People can see for themselves Omicron is very mild. Second, we can see that the vaccines are completely ineffective against Omicron. In fact, the more vaccinated you are, the more your chance of catching Omicron. Thankfully, still mild, but the vaccines, if anything, are accelerating the progression of Omicron spread, not hindering it. Uh, too many people now suspect that they know as many or more vaccine injured than COVID injured. This is true in my personal network of friends. Uh, next, people have noticed that the public health measures have utterly failed to stop the spread. And they're beginning to notice the most important point, which is that in total, public health is in worse shape. Are you better off today than you were two years ago? Is public health off better off today than it was two years ago? And the answer is no. So <clears throat> in other words, go truckers, go. I'm hugely in support of us finally having this larger conversation where we, the people come together and we go, listen, what do we want in this story? I am not willing to sacrifice my freedom for a little bit of temporary safety. 
I am not willing to give up freedom to a bunch of faceless bureaucrats who have proven utterly inept at engineering a better outcome for the people they ostensibly oversee. I am tired of watching public health authorities get angry at the little people for not following exactly what they say, even when what they say is nonsensical, even though it's highly debatable, even though it's sometimes flat out wrong. They've been wrong about masks. They've been wrong about herd immunity. They've been wrong about the spread. They've been wrong about how to treat children through this whole thing. They've been absolutely wrong about how they've gone about shutting down small and medium-sized businesses in favor of big business. All of that's been absolutely the wrong things to do. And so people rise up. All these Canadian truckers, plus a lot of other Canadians, show up. They show up in Ottawa. They want to be heard. And their prime minister scurries off to his bunker and comes out and says, well, if only it was more like Black Lives Matter protests, then I could be for it because I agree with those. Right? Hey, Justin, a majority of your country no longer believes in your policies. Have a conversation. Be a man. Give it a try. What could go wrong? All right. That's all I have for you today here on this part. By the way, we got a big part two coming up over at Peak Prosperity. We have to talk about these monsters that we're up against right now because they're in our midst and the narrative is really crumbling. And the question is, not just what are they going to do as their narrative crumbles. So we're seeing Justin Trudeau double down, triple down, quadruple down and all of that. Um, But we are going to have to figure out what they might do as they sort of triple down on their story. But more importantly, what other stories have they gotten wrong And there's some big ones out there. And these are around our economy. These are around our energy policies, things like that. So this is what we're going to talk about in part two. Come on by and check that out if you want. Otherwise, hey, been great being back here with you today. We'll see you next time.